Hello, and welcome to Seroptimus International Voices, where we give a global voice to women and girls. SI Voices is a space where women's stories and issues are heard as we celebrate 100 years of our remarkable organization. We will reveal and rediscover the history of our global movement while educating and informing on many of the key challenges affecting women and girls today. Welcome everybody to our podcast today. My name is Hilary and I live in Sheffield in the United Kingdom. Our podcast today is going to tackle some of the questions around domestic violence and we will be thinking about how the pandemic has made the situation much worse. My guest today is a fellow seroptimist, Nisha Ghosh, who lives in Pune in central India. She is the founder president of the Seroptimist Club Pune Metro East, which does amazing project work to improve the lives of women and girls. Nisha and I first met when we co-presented a side event at the CSW meeting. That's the Commission on the Status of Women meeting at the United Nations in New York. And we have worked together as friends ever since. I invited Nisha to join me today because she is an advocate for women's rights Nisha, can you tell me why the issues around domestic violence are so important for you? Thank you, Hilary. I speak from a position of a lived experience. At the outset, I really want to say that I don't consider myself as a victim of violence, but a victor of it. And uh, to tell my story and to assist women in the struggle during domestic violence in a marriage is very important for me. And I find any platform where I can tell my story because I always feel that there is light at the end of the tunnel. Well, talking about my own life, I married a person of my choice. I left a lucrative job, but very soon uh, there was trouble. And later I had a special needs child. and There were disagreements about big things and small things and violence at every step. Uh, later, I had uh, a second child, and everything in the house was like a total breakdown of the marriage. It was all about somebody trying to control me. I sought a legal help, and it was very difficult in those times. It took me seven years to sort out and finally break free from that violence-filled marriage. I, th I think it was a very, very difficult time for you, wasn't it? And it wasn't helped by the fact that you spent seven years trying to actually disentangle yourself from this marriage. And you told me that so much of the marriage was all about different sorts of control, even to the extent that your husband tried to remove your financial power, uh, also anything to do with the children, you know, even to the extent of what you were allowed to buy for the children to wear, all that kind of thing. He undermined everything you stood for. And in order to try and get out of this marriage, as you say, it took you seven years through the court. So something to do with this is to do with power, isn't it? The power of him and the power and control over you. And I wonder if this is something you see as a kind of historical thing, Yes, indeed. I think this, if you look through the histories of, of humankind, it is all about men controlling the women. 
and over the centuries, over the evolving of human beings, women have learned to internalize their subservient roles. They have developed tools of acceptance because social norms do not accept a woman protesting against her husband. And this always being suppressed is the order of the day. I did not realize how in hidden ways I was being controlled. There was a slow stifling of the economic space, of intentional exclusion, of being burdened with all the responsibilities. I mean, it doesn't always have to be open violence, but it was, it was always a matter of being controlled. And the family laws didn't help at at all. The all family laws, I mean, every country has its own set of rules and set of laws. But I can tell you that in no country are family laws women friendly. In Back then, when I was in the court, we had no right, women had no right in the family courts in India over their matrimonial homes. I mean, everything that was in the house you had no right over, you had nurtured it as a home, but you did nothing belong to you. And this was where I always was on the back foot. So this has been an awful experience for me, and I want to help others go through this. I think you said that eventually the law laws for to do with divorce in India did change and to do with domestic violence did change in 2005. Um, but there are many countries in the world where the laws are not women friendly. And even if they are, they're not often implemented sufficiently to support the women who need them at the time. So, Nisha, how has the experience that you have had um, ex- sort of impacted on your work and what you've tried to achieve to try and change things for women and this experience? My seven years of experience and my brush with the legal system has really emboldened me to support women to question and to find out those loopholes in that law which which they could use to their benefit. And it is during these traumatic times that I want to help them strategize their case to guide them. And I have since my own divorce in the year 2000, I have taken any number of women, directed them to the right lawyers, guided them, made them emotionally stronger and helped them understand what are their rights. But this is at a personal level. At As a soroptimist, I have been able to help with uh, sharing my story, of course, which I did at the Commission of Status for Women in New York in 2015. And later on, we've... I have supported projects in my own chapter, which is in Pune, in doing work where women understand their rights and women are also emboldened to address and pick up, uh, address the police or address the law asking for their rights. You know, in India, uh, Calcutta Club has done um, several uh, sessions of legal awareness. And this is really the need of the hour, the legal awareness and where women should know their, what they can get out of the courts. And uh, so also uh, Pune Metro East, that is my chapter, we have done two uh, projects of empowering women about law, about we've gone to corporates and done programs there on 
how they would take on understand law understand how it can work with work for them whether it is in the case of harassment or domestic violence and you know we even acted in skits uh, where we demonstrated small scenes of where violence is triggered and then we made our female audience question that and uh, you know have a conversation around it that how could they have done it differently so that was a wonderful experience out there and uh, this is ways in which we can reach the common public the, the public you know and where they will uh, there's nobody to guide them on on these legal matters and of course uh, sir optimus itself in its president's appeal uh the road to equality which addresses uh, violence against women as one of the key issues that is also very important to me yes i agree anisha thank you and, and there are so many clubs sir optimist clubs around the world that are working together with women to try and change the law uh in england for example there's a big lobbying going on about an act of parliament that's going through at the moment where women are trying to change one of the terms of that act and then women throughout our sir optimist world work in women's refuges to help and to support women in all kinds of practical ways and that has gone on all the way through this last year because i think this year this year of the pandemic really has brought this issue to the fore because uh, the united nations has actually estimated that one in 3 women worldwide have been subjected to physical and or sexual violence by their intimate partner and so lockdowns have increased the exposure of women to abusive partners and known risk factors and it's meant that it's limited their access to services so with the pandemic in your mind as well nisha where do you feel that the real difficulties have come for women in abusive relationships so hillary i think uh, this whole experience of lockdown was something new while we women at on the world stage were fighting for equality and you know pushing the agenda of gender uh, we didn't realize that this pandemic was going to set us back several several years several i think even a century if you ask me but what we need to do is now having gone through the pandemic for almost a year and seen what could have happened in these lockdown situations where women are cloistered in their homes i think it is uh, it is for um, agencies to understand and craft better strategies where they could make their services available social service legal service they could make it more accessible for women who are in such situations also i believe shelters were overwhelmed and they could not take in more women or at least because of lockdown they were not able to go there but uh, um, these shelters need to be multiplied there should be some surreptitious ways of where women can reach for help we need to not waste any more time in organizing this because i mean this pandemic has this is only one year we are going through the second year and we don't know how long this situation will last but the violence will continue 
Yes, I agree. I mean, it, this is the terrible thing that the pandemic, we say we've had a year of it. Um, we're not coming out of it yet. And certainly in India, where you are at the moment, the pandemic has become even worse in the last few weeks. So we don't see an end in sight. Therefore, the whole issue about women and violence in the home in a lockdown situation is not going away. So we do have to take action now. We can't sit back and think it'll go away. There are desperate needs for money for shelters. There are desperate needs to help people in the escape in all kinds of ways and I think that the pandemic has really raised this issue and made it a very much more important issue for all of us so yes we need support yes we need strategies we need shelters we need enabling environments etc but we also need a mindset change and I think particularly um, we have to bring on board men and boys into this don't we what we need to do is make them part of the solution so perhaps we could go back to our communities, identify the, the people who are the influencers. Let's redo the macho man image. Let's try to push the agenda of a understanding man, of a gender sensitive human being, and let those, let those images, those people be the influencers for the future generations. These are would be the men who do not treat women as objects. And then on the other hand, they could also be women who play a very important part because it is in the very early nurturing of attitudes with boys that women can ingrain in them how they have to treat not only their mother, but also the girls and the women that will come in their lives. And it's very important that that training and that influence is very well ingrained early in the children's lives, in the boys' lives. And of course, we're, we should always be supporting fathers who are raising their sons to be gentle, awesome men. To be gentle is not anti-male, you know, and they have to recognize that. Women also have to recognize this. I mean, there are these uh, he for she movement and the white ribbon movement where men are standing up. We need to support those. And rallying for uh, support for men that are becoming part of the solution, supporting them in every possible way. I think that is, it's a change. It will take time. It is. It cannot happen overnight. There is already some bit of change happening. Pandemic has pushed it all back. But I think everybody needs to do, it, do their little bit to stand up against violence. What do you think, Hilary? I absolutely agree with you, Nisha, and I think this is our call to those of you who are listening to this podcast today. We all have a role to play in this um, because violence against women is not something confined to a particular group, a particular class, a particular age group. It is throughout the world, and the pandemic has just raised this into a much more um I suppose, important issue that people are noticing. So I think we all have a responsibility to stand up against the violence. We all have a responsibility to consider our roles as men and women and how we interrelate to each other. So I, my call, and I'm sure Nisha's call to everybody listening, is break any silence about this. This is not something that should be swept under the carpet. It's something that we, we all know about and we have to raise awareness about it. We have to be aware. And then we, all of us, have to be part of the solution. So I hope listening, you will see a way forward for you to be part of this solution. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast in SI Voices, and we hope you'll join us again in the near future. Goodbye. 
You've been listening to SI Voices, a podcast hosted by Seroptimist International. Follow us on social media for our latest news and updates at Seroptimist Global on Facebook and Instagram and at Seroptitweet on Twitter. You can also check out our website, seroptimistinternational.org. Please join us next time on SI Voices.